Hey team, Jared Goundry here. I'm six weeks away from being broke. If you think quitting all your jobs to make money solely from jokes and being creative is absolutely crazy, you'd be correct. Enjoy the episode. This week's guest is Chris Pacillo, a Perth comedian. I've had him on the podcast before. He's been um, one of the most requested to come back. So take that, Chris. Update on me. I'm in Perth doing gigs. Also, we are back to regular programming every uh, two weeks here on the podcast. And I'm currently busting my ass out, organizing a tour, upcoming tour. I've got a start date, August 11. I am booking in a tour of 52 locations around Australia. I currently have 40 of those booked in. Um, I'm spending every single last dollar on this tour to get it off the ground. And I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Doing like probably eight to 10 hour sort of admin days and then going out and doing gigs. So it's hard yakker at the moment. Struggling a little bit, but also getting a lot of wins. You know, like I had kind of a mini mental breakdown the other day. Because I've been trying to make a website, which has been going mixed. I have not naturally graded it. I'm just hitting a lot of obstacles and I've thrown my toys on the floor a couple of times. <laughs> just been like, fucking hell. Um, but then also through that has been super rewarding when you break through that threshold and achieve something and get it done. You know, putting all the promo together right now is super exciting and inputting all the events into this website is just super tedious, but you can sleep, you can see it slowly building and slowly becoming something that I think I'm going to be very proud of. Well, you just leapt into the recording. I love it. All right, so I'm working on this bit at the minute. Um, I had a cousin. He's actually nine months older than me, but he got a motorbike. For How his, old are you? Uh, 35. He's 35. Yeah, okay. 35 and nine months. No, he's 36. Because <laughs> he's his birthday's in Jan, mine's in September. Yeah, he got a motorbike for his sixteenth birthday, um, like a road bike, so he could, you know, the, the first steps to like sort of freedom. And my sixteenth birthday rolled around, and I said to my parents, "Hey, like, could you, would you please?" And they were like, they sat me down, and they were like, "Chris, we just don't think your motorbike material." Wow, <laughs> basically called gay by my own parents. You think uh, they were worried about your well-being, as in um, like safety? Or do you think that they were like, this kid's too gay for yeah, a motorbike? I, I, honestly, I was a very sensitive boy. Really? You know? Yeah. Because I, well, I wouldn't get that, um, I wouldn't uh, say you're a sensitive guy now. Well, the thing is, it's it's there's a dualism there because South Africa is such a hard-nosed, stubborn, patriarchal society, or was at least when I was growing up in the 90s. So you had to really be one of the fucking rugby playing boys, one of the boys, so like to fit in, you know. So I was like a real sensitive, like kind of, Arty kid, I used to read a hell of a lot. So you didn't to, fit in? Yeah, but in order to fit in, you have to sort of like mimic that behavior. You know, like, so all through high school, I just had these random outbursts where I would just start crying. Okay. Like <laughs> over stuff, which doesn't endear you to like, you know. Um, yeah, but over, over. You don't really o- sound like a pussy magnet. Well, sure. yeah, I was real, real thirsty bitch when I was a teenager. Um, <laughs> but later I spoke to a therapist who said to me, it's like everyone has like a. a a capacity to absorb uh, negative emotions, so it's it, you can think of it in terms of like a a, a, a a water bottle, a big like water jug, right? And every time you have to deal with something, you you know you put a bit in, you put a bit in. But like people who have to deal with sort of a lot of stuff, their water bottle is like sort of full to the brim. So like you had one big thing and it overflows. Whereas mm. normally, like if you have a sort of a stable home life and, and everything's going fine, you have a lot of space in your water bottle f- to absorb like big events. But that also goes like if the if the tap's just dripping for yeah. a long time and it fills up to the near top and then one thing can just knock over the jug, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. How what, what's at what level is your water jug right now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are drowning. <laughs> Woo! So I do. This turned into therapy real quick. Yeah, it's ten a.m. I'm going to get a DUI on the way to pick up my client. Hooly <laughs> dooly. I mean, you can still ask the question. Uh, it's okay, bro. It's there. It's simmering. You know, mm-hmm. comedy doesn't help. It's a really like um, abusive relationship with an art form. You reckon? I, I oh. think uh, I've heard people say this. Uh, they have a love hate. Um, you know, I've only ever had oh, like ninety ten love to hate. So, like, I'm in love with it. I think it's brought me the most joy I've ever felt in my entire life. I'm addicted to the challenge. I just I enjoy the people. Um, Let's what, okay. what, what do you think the hate is? Well, it's when you eat a bag of dicks, dude. On Come on, like, yeah, you got a, your new material. You're like, okay, I've got five minutes. I got the open mic tonight. Uh, I've learned these jokes. This is funny for this reason, for that reason. And then you go up and they get, and it gets nothing. And I mean, not like, you know the process, right? It's not like, oh, there was a something there. There was a titter here. Let me go back, aggregate it, try to get rid of some of the verbiage, you know, like condense the, the whatever. It's like, well, you get nothing. And you're like, holy shit, I was totally wrong. Like reckon these, that hurts more than um, doing, like, does one bomb hurt more than like the opposite of one crush? Like how many, how many crushes do you need to make the bombs sustainable? I don't think they're really related. I mean, obviously you want to get um, some sort of feedback, some sort of positive feedback, some sort of validation. But I think once you've written like a tight five and you've crushed, you're like, okay, I can do this. I've got that in the pocket. But you to push yourself further along, you need to start accumulating minutes that work. So you need to keep submitting yourself to that process of like open humiliation on stage. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, and it's, it's super necessary. Yeah, it is. But so I don't think they're related. Like, I've written like two jokes that I just that just came out great, and they haven't really changed. And uh, the rest of them are just like a sludge through the fucking swamp. You know, just trying to hear there, finding something that works, adding to a trial and error, like getting along. Um, like I'm in a phase right now where I've just come off like doing good material for like eight months. Like I've had a good run, mm. but now I've got to get back on the on the grind and make some new material. Otherwise, the fan base that I've worked so hard to get will slowly dissipate, right? And it's uh, I'm I'm starting to enjoy it. I'm a, you know I had a really tough set last night trying out some some new stuff and trying out some new like things in a really tough gig and uh i didn't yeah, walk away too, didn't walk away too sad no, I, had, I had a good time it was a it was like almost a waste of a night but it wasn't a waste of a night because i got to reflect on it like do you, what like when you say love hate and no because hurts, i don't know i i because those those bomb like bombing hurts for me like i want to leave the venue <laughs> i want to go and like clutch a cigarette and sit on a curb like uh, it really hurts for me what does it feel like Explain um, the, uh, you know, like if you kick your toe, you can kind of explain that. What does a bomb feel like for someone who's uninitiated? A lot of listeners of this are just kind of other artists, you know, like they're painters, they're musicians, and some of them are just complete civilians. So explain what a bomb feels like. Okay, so so because comedy is... It, it has no like your your looks can aid your act, but essentially they have no bearing, right? There's been like totally hideous people that are very successful at stand-up i mean absolute you know what i mean nightmarishly like garishly offensively looking people who have been very successful they've been like beautiful people who've been like so that makes no difference right so when you get like the cold rejection from an audience and i'm not just talking like 
you know, a four out of ten new material. You're muddling through. The laugh wasn't where you thought it was. The writing wasn't as tight as it should have been. I mean, like, where you're just onto a lemon and you get nothing. <laughs> and it's like the, the thing that they are, like, repudiating is your very being. It's like it's nothing to do with you. It's your, like, mind and your ideas that are just being shot down in flames, dude. And it's just a very real, like, hollow feeling, you know. I, I, dude, even now, like, I, I've, uh, well, I say even now, like, I'm a veteran of the game. But you know what I mean? I've had a, a few small successes, got some gigs here, done well there. You've seen enough battle. You can call yeah. yourself a veteran. I'm, I'm, You've I'm, seen some spectrum. I'm chugging is, along. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, one, one bite of the elephant at a time type thing. But even now, like, it's still, like, I have to, like, take a day. I'm, like, kick the cat, you know, and just be like, oh, okay. I'm starting, I mean, I, to, for me to sit here and say I haven't felt bad when things have gone poorly on stage would be lying. But I'm, I'm starting to get a lot better at it, at it, you know, probably being a little bit further down the line than you are. And having, you know, once you feel, once you, it's like what you said earlier, once you feel like you can do it, it does, it does get a bit better. Yeah, it does. And you can always fall back on that material, you know. Like if somebody gives me a call tonight and they're like, hey, 10 minutes tonight, 600 people in this theatre, can you do it? I would be like, I can do it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not flipping the coin anymore. Yeah, sure. And But I don't know about Perth, but because there is I, – I have a, like an, a heavy sense that there's a lot of pressure to write new material because it is a small town. This is an interesting thing which I was uh, going to talk to you about. So um, I guess because you're in an isolated scene. How many comedians would you have at a ballpark do you think are in, in Perth – like doing it, like actually doing it. Not just like I'm giving it a try, like they're just kind of regularly comedians. Uh, yeah, well, the thing is we got some metrics on this because of our good mate Xavier Susoy at Grassroots. I think because he has he's written himself a little program to register comedians for ECC. Mm-hmm. So I think at last uh, a check-in with him, like he had over 400 people that would like register to perform. So, but those are like from your part-timers right through to us too. So of that 400, how many do you think uh, have done more than 100 gigs, which is, I think is the metric to, you know, to say, all right, you're in it now. 50%. 30 or 40 maybe. Yeah. Okay. So that's quite a, quite a small sample. Yeah. A lot of them are fly by nuts. And then we, you have a lot of, uh, unfortunately people today are being told that their viewpoint is unique and special and that they have a right to express themselves. Okay. Um, what so does that mean like, unpolitically? Oh, well, it means like it will, it will translate to like, say, uh, um, a person doing their first gig, like running the lot and telling their like their story. This is my story. This is my time to shine, you know, and then like, but just having no concept of what a joke is, no like punchlines written in like this. They're like they are telling you a story as if. So they're expressing themselves at the expense of laughter. Yeah, and for the and, audience, and and like a lot, and a lot of them just run the lot. Like no matter how many times you tell them, "Hey, wrap it up," they're like, "But this is," and you're like, "This is not funny. This is funny to your friends who know the context, but this is not translatable. This is just a story about your like trauma or your hot dog or whatever the fuck." Do you think that the um the pressure to write more more and new material in a smaller scene comes at the expense of bringing that material to a level where it's almost Teflon? No. No, I don't. Because there is still like a level of 
paid gig here where you have to have to be really tight. And that is one of the good things about Perth, I think, is one of one of the things that's really advantageous for us is because we still have a, quite an unforgiving audience here in Perth. Like, they want jokes and they want punchlines. Like, uh, the comedy I've done in Melbourne, which is not very much, granted, but there seems to be a lot more leeway for people. Like, people are a lot more invested in the story. I um, think that's a very arguable point. And uh, from comic to comic, from act to act, like, for myself that has travelled around a lot, I think they start to have preferences of scenes. Like, you know, I, I would think that Perth is a much easier, you know, audience than most places in Australia. Yeah. You, the Probably world, equal with Brisbane. But um, Yeah, but it, it, comes, it comes because of that, right? Like, because actually riding like a little, a little pullback and reveal, actually, it was my dad. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... Um, <laughs> I was homeschooled. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that sort of nonsense, um, which is fine. But it's like it's easy laughs. It's like low hanging fruit. But if you can, if you, they just appreciate jokes. Yeah, they want, they want you like make me laugh, dance, monkey. It's yeah. Like, well, that comes to like my main point that I was going to talk to you about, and something that I talk to you about quite regularly, which is diversifying your act through locations and different scenes. You mm -hmm. know, so. Obviously, Perth has its pros and cons. You know, like you can get paid here quicker than most other scenes. You know, like if uh, you're three years in and you're in Melbourne or Sydney, you're probably not earning over $150 a week. Like realistically, in Perth, that can jump up to five, $600 quite easily. It's a, it's a very lucrative scene as far as um, money goes because for a few reasons, like in the Sydneys, the Melbournes and the Brisbanes, not every gig has a ticket price. A lot of them are free and there's no money coming into the industry to then pay people outside of your MCs and your headliners. Um, in Perth, I think it just seems to be like every gig's worth money. You know, like you run a little 50-seater, like what's the ticket price for that? 10 bucks, but tragically going up to 15 at oh, the great. I'm beginning of July. Very happy to hear that. I'm oh, very, yeah. very happy to hear that. So you are injecting 500 to soon to be 750 into your night, right? Which then allows you to dissipate it and spend it on marketing and, you know, just upskill the business. In Melbourne and Sydney, a lot of that doesn't exist. So there's no money flying in. Um, what about grants? Is there much of that floating about? Oh, look, I've, um, I've had a lot of experience with, grants and it's a just a, it's a difficult thing to do i don't know why i it's my opinion that the government is says hey we've got this money here for things and it's just so hard to get mm -hmm. and you're just fucking around with admin and you almost need like an expert on it and uh well, i would yeah. never bank on a grant it'd be yeah, nice to do. have one you need someone because it's it's grant writing successful grant writing is a skill in and of itself i think i've always found um that if you're waiting on a grant, it'll stifle all of your creativity and your ambition. Stifle is that? I don't. Is that a word? Stifle. No, I don't. It's stifle. Yeah. Okay, stifle. Stifle. I'm for it. <laughs> it's the past tense. Of <laughs> <laughs> stifle. This guy's stifling the shit out of me. <laughs> um, if you're waiting on a grant, then you'll be waiting on the grant, and you won't be producing anything. Yeah, sure. But you should use them um, separately. I think I've had one in my life, and that was to open up um, our comedy room. It came at a good time, but we would have done it without it, and we yeah. wouldn't. But if we would, if you're just waiting on it, like recently, and I've talked about this on the podcast, I wanted to get a grant for touring, and like if I had just waited to get the money first, I wouldn't be going on tour. 
Yeah, for sure, man. And but then like, what happens when you don't get it like six months down the line? You're six months behind. So it's like any windfall. Be a capitalist. Love. Yeah, totally. If you receive a windfall, that's great. But like, don't bank on the windfall. Nah. Like, get your shit together. Hundred yeah. percent. So like, our room is humming along, um, and we want to apply for like there are a few like little arts grants, but um, if we do get one, then we can. Just give people like token bits of money, but just something to come and try 10 new, you know, you can just up the quality of acts. Or you could also like invest it in like a product, you know, like, because I'm guessing the city of Fremantle would be where you'd go and you say, look, this is what we're doing for the community. And I would just invest in a um, grant writer and you go, look, this might cost me $800. But we don't even have to because we know a couple of them. Exactly. You hook them up with something, but like outsource that and try to get it done. And then you get this pool of money and don't give it to anyone else. Like no. I would say, you know, get a full camera set up and like with all the bits and pieces, like invest it back into the business to yeah, make definitely. a product and all that sort of stuff. And then you can then make more money from the exposure, boom, 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 whatever. That's what I'd say. But yeah, grants. That's the plan basically. But you see now I'm buying, probably going to buy a camera this week. So like I'm buying a camera regardless of the grant, you know, just personally. Well, we were just chatting about this before. So and and our room is humming along regardless of the grant anyway. So if we got the grant, it would just, you know, allow us to put the cherry on top. But we're doing it anyway. Yeah, but that is what you have to do because mm-hmm. otherwise, what you're going to sit around being like, when we get the grant, we're going to buy the equipment. When we get the grant, we're going to buy the equipment. Then you never get the equipment. No. So just uh, invest and do stuff. Um, we were talking about this the other day. You think a uh, good part of your comedy um, would would um, benefit from moving to another scene or experiencing another scene more? Talk me through your thought process. Not really moving. Well, I, I don't know. Perth is just very isolated. As you know, it's expensive to fly anywhere. Um, but I'm always in two minds about it because I'm sort of like embedded in a comedy scene here. You know what I mean? I know all the rooms. I know all the rumors. I'm a known quantity. I can get gigs at the level I'm at. I can push a little bit upwards, you know, because I'm around the scene. Um, so if you'd go to a new place, you'd be starting a little again, you know. But uh, I don't want to stay in Perth. A lot of like a lot of people get sort of trapped in Perth. Do you think there's a ceiling here for a local act? Yeah, definitely. The I heard a great saying from the amazing Bilber. Um, he said, "The way you start doing comedy, you always be considered an open micer." Mm. Um, and as soon as you've got an act, it's it's, uh, it's best to move. Like he was started off, I think it was Boston, but he, he, as soon as he ha- had like 20 minutes, he went, I'm, I'm, I'm going. Yeah. Because uh, I think if someone like yourself, like it's been my opinion, you can travel the whole country on seven good minutes, but you wouldn't start at the bottom per se. Like when I first started traveling, like you get together your little five to seven of gold. And then because you're from out of state, you automatically hit the middle yeah, yeah, of yeah. the scene. And then people go like, yeah, you can jump on this, you can jump on that, you can jump on this. And then if you do that 5-7 that's tight and bulletproof, then obviously you just crush in front of the right people who are in that you know middle scene. And then the next time you go back, you've already jumped up one level because those people mm. go, give us a call next time you're in town. Let me know next time you're in town. Let's do this next time in town. And then you can start getting paid. And then you can start covering your costs, which then you can start upskilling that and getting to the top scene. So, I mean, that's the benefit I've always found of living on the eastern side. Yeah. I was crunching the numbers before. There's 2.9 million people in the state of Western Australia. 1.9 million of those live in the Perth, 
the greater Perth region, um, which doesn't leave much outside of Perth as far as audience members goes. Now, there's 5 million people in Melbourne and there's 5 million people in Sydney and in between there, there's another 5 million people. So you've now got five times the population of, you know, pretty much Western Australia slash Perth, let's just call it Perth, in like half the area. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a great way to um, experience different scenes in a car trip away, as opposed to like a four hundred five hundred dollar flight. You can now yeah, spend. Sure. I mean, there is regional touring in WA, and those audiences are often some of the best audiences you can get because they're just so grateful that anything is happening in their town, other than like you know Dazza's marriage to Shazza and the local football game. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to Brisbane next week. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, pumped, man. Brisbane's a great scene. I'm just cheap and cheerfuling it. I'm staying in some black random backpacker in the middle of the thing. Uh, I have a cousin there, and I kind of cheekily was like, I'm coming to Brisbane, but he didn't take the bait. So As in to stay? Yeah. <laughs> he's like 12 years younger than me, you know, and he's like 24, 5. I think he works for Deloitte, you know, like he actually applied himself at university. So, you know, it's like, do you want your, like uncle slash cousin like bumming on your couch I don't well know. i mean you can work on that this trip yeah you know, that's all I'm about gonna, we're gonna go for we're gonna go for have have it have dinner sometime so a bit of honesty never goes astray you know like yeah you that's could, exactly what tabo said because i kind of like went at it he was like did you ever just try the words can i stay with you and i was yeah. like no so you were beating <laughs> around the bush <laughs> and this guy didn't know you were beating around the bush no, probably not he yeah. and he's such a lamb uh, you know what i mean he uh you probably would have just said, of course you can stay with me. I've yeah, got absolutely. a spare room. I'll sort it right out. Some people are real stubborn too. They want to be asked. <laughs> yeah, Because their friends have been like, did he ask? He's like, nah, he was just alluding to it. And they're like, well, fuck him, mate. Let him ask. <laughs> I, I'm that guy as well. I'm like, yeah, you got to say the words, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not taking, you're expecting him to behave differently than <laughs> what you would, would expect. Behave, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. what you should do and like, because I stay with a lot of people when I travel. It's kind of a cornerstone. It's the way to go about it. Oh, and it's, you know what, it's it's a little bit of exchange. So I've got some friends of mine that are in between Brisbane and the Gold Coast. I stay with them every single time. They're pretty much kind of family. But um, I said to them earlier, I said, I'm trying to do this thing. Um, and they're like, I'm like one of the biggest hurdles of this, this and this. And they're like, well, why don't you just stay with us? Like that will, that'll just sort that out. And I said, done. But then while I'm there, you know, I'm like, what do you need done in the daytime? I'm like, oh, I'll mow the lawn for you. I'll stack your dishwasher. Like, mm. do you need some shit done? They're like, yeah, we could actually, could you pop down to Bunnings? Yeah, sure, man. Like, just a bit of exchange. It doesn't take anything out of my day, really. No. As far as, like, effort into, like, cost back. And then you start, um, you start building some rapport anyway, right? And it's just nice to have yeah. people to talk to. And then you're not stuck on your phone all day scrolling. You're actually having meaningful conversations with people. Yeah, but also you're like pushing the lawnmower. You're like, then you write a bit about lawn clippings and then you go to Bunnings <laughs> and you chat to the checkout girl and you fall in love and you have an affair and, you know, stuff happens. It's great. Yeah. So what's the next step for you? Just keep doing what I'm doing, I think. How long are you uh, into comedy? Yeah, I was having a look. So like we discussed beforehand, I did a few like sort of community-based stuff. So like in 2005, I think I did like six gigs. Yeah. Let's, let's write them off because they probably... They probably don't count too much the process. How long have you been consistently doing comedy? Yeah, about two, coming up three years next month. Three years, so two. So three. Hang on, three years from like a mental breakdown, therapy. When did you last have fun? Oh yeah, open mic. So I went and tried an open mic to where I am now. Now 
I was going to ask you a, a question, but I think that second question is 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 a little bit nicer. Um, what did comedy? F- you said you had a mental breakdown, then you oh, felt yeah. then you felt I need to have some fun. Then you experienced not fun. fun. You need to have a creative outlet. You know, like yeah. when last week did you express yourself creatively, um, other than you know paying the bills and doing the chores? Describe what it felt like to, uh, I guess, express yourself creatively after not. It was fantastic, man. I knew I was in, but I also had like terrible performance anxiety. Like my leg used to shake like a shitting dog. Like I on it, stage, yeah, dude, yeah, it yeah, took, yeah. It took me maybe like a good six months just to like uh, nix the quiver in my voice, top like you know. And it's it's take it's like only in the last really like four or five months like have I been even like conscious on stage, you know. Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly like, what you're talking about. When I first started, I used to shake horribly. But that shell shock thing where you're like, oh. welcome to the stage, Chris Bocchino. It's just like rush. Like you don't know what's going on. You come <laughs> off and you're like, holy shit, we did it. But like now, you know, then you get to the point where you are conscious on stage. You're like, oh, okay, hang on. Stuff's happening. I can I can breathe. And then you learn a few techniques. Some dude shouts out something. You say, What's that you said? You think this, and the, but you've bought yourself those, and then you're like, you're like, oh, right, this is, and then like even now, it still gets out of, it gets away from you, and you bring it back in, but it's like, but even like maybe three, a month ago, I did a gig at the lounge, the, uh, and I had that same like experience where you panic, like, you know, you panic, you speed up, you think if I can get to the next punchline, but that's the complete opposite. You're just compounding the their mistrust trap. of you. Yeah. The, key, the comedian trap. So it's like a lot. It's like a, a real feat of mental discipline to like stop, calm it down. They bring them to you as opposed to chasing after them. You know, it's like seduction almost. As a uh, as a an artist, at three years into the journey, um, if you want to double that experience and say at six years, what would you like to achieve and how would you get that? Like, let's say we want to double. What you're doing right now, so that might, if you want to double how many minutes you have and you want to double like sort of how much you're making financially, what do you think are the sort of key things to that success? Because in six years' times, you want to be twice as successful, I think. Well, you know, I'm like sort of support level now um, consistently. I'd like to be headlining in six years. You want to be headlining in three years from now? Yeah, yeah. sure, man. What's, what do you think are the, um, the keys to success along that journey to achieve that goal? Keep writing. Writing is a big one. Keep writing, man. Keep writing your material. Like you look at like people like Chris Wainas, you know, they've got like, he's got clips on from like 10 years ago and he's doing that same material now, but it's so different. It's like a really evolved, it's really tightened. Like, you know, the guy, he's a real wizard, a real hero of mine. He's so good, um, old Wainas. So like that sort of thing, you know, just keep working the process. Try not to take too much for granted. Try not to get too much of a big head. Wrap my head around social media is a big thing. Yeah. Maybe buy a few followers. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, travel. Get out of get out of Perth. Going to Brisbane next week. I want to come to your neck of the woods, Melbourne, end of the year. Maybe start pushing towards a solo. Like yep. I, it seemed like a like a really insurmountable task to do an hour long show. Um, especially if you if you because my like sort of first love is stand up, so like you think oh I need to have an hour of tart stand up, but it's, that's not really sustainable, and it's not really achievable for someone like unless they're like sort of ten twelve years in I don't think personally no 
No, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So you have to find ways. And uh, there's a great dude called, have you met Sam Kasajukian? Yeah, I have, yeah. I, I think I'm pronouncing his name probably terribly. But he did a show called 300 Paintings. If you have a chance to check it out, please I've do. heard about it, yeah. So good, man. Gives but the, the audience the premise. So he, he just went slightly mad and he did like 300 paintings over 200 days. But he, he I think he was um, bipolar, but he didn't know it at the time. So he's just having these manic things where he was creating a bunch and then these lulls. But he was doing like wacky things like reaching out to like hedge fund managers and like securing funding for these insane projects, like just off the back of being a lunatic, you know. Mm. Um, so he's mentally unwell, but in the process created. Yeah, heaps and heaps, you know. So he's just basically t- telling that the story of that and how it's evolved into the show, you know, so how he's come out the back end of it. And he was like saying, yeah, you, d- you don't, it doesn't have to be, because it can't be really, like, you know, it takes years and years to craft, uh, you know, a Jacques Barrett style hour and 20 tight, of just tight, layers, yeah. bro. Can we just spend a minute, you know, have you seen his, the special, like his... His, um, I opened um, his show in Newcastle. Dude, that yeah. bit with the saxophone, holy shit. I have never laughed so hard yeah. at something live in all my life. It's nice to watch. Uh, I opened the show um, when it had still had a whiteboard on stage. So he's doing kind of like a trial show in Newcastle. Okay. And um, I love Jacques and he's kind of, the way you talk about Wayne House, he's kind of like my sort of spirit animal. Like in the way that he conducts himself professionally as well as I'd like to be a road dog myself mm. arguably i am but um you know and i message him quite often and be like oh tip for this and tip for that and he's always very great is he and yeah yeah he really, i'll start really harassing good. him and uh i was in newcastle at the time already gigging and he just sent me a message being like what are you doing this day come open and i said yeah sweet let, we're on um but to watch like a show from the whiteboard point of view to then at the melbourne international comedy festival which was five months later um, and someone of his caliber who's doing as many gigs as he is, which is probably another 30, 40% on top of what I'm doing, is, and then to watch it in the flesh, I can't wait to see it again another five months down the line. Yeah, because he's going to film it soon, isn't he? Yeah. When is and he I, filming it? I don't know, but I, I, I think that's one of the beauties of staying on the road is you get to expose that material. Because I think sometimes your material to put it in like a really random analogy is kind of like making a sword, right? You've got to kind of like chuck it in some fire, hit it with a hammer, mm-hmm. throw it in some water, hit it in the fire. And then like sooner or later, it's just like battle hardened and like ready. And it can be last for ages and just, you know, 20, 30 years is still good. Um, and I think that's one advantage of not being in a small scene and traveling around is like, it's, it's new for like a lot of people all the time. So you can tinker with it and not have to worry about the pressure of like, oh, I need this yeah. new thing. Oh, you dude, can actually I'm, just focus on the on the task of crafting it. That is that is one of the things I'm looking so forward to about going to Brisbane is that just this like people who have never seen it. So it's just going to be the best. I do it all uh, the time. It's so fun. <laughs> it's I'm so really fun. looking forward. But the, that saxophone bit, dude, I was just in tears. And it's like, Dude, dude. And he just does the thing, like his move, the movement, the, the mustache, dude. Mu- I've never seen a mustache that's a prop. It's just so good. <laughs> um, little tip I uh, I used when I first started traveling is I'd get together like my greatest five and uh, yeah. go to a new scene and just like. Ah, something I'm working on. Just blitz it, right? <laughs> just kind of like go there, blitz it. The audience is laughing because it's a good five, right? You're at like a glorified open mic, right? Just crushing. And then uh, the comedians at the back are laughing because they've never seen it, right? And they're like, who is this guy? And when a new comedian from another state's on, 
you kind of everyone kind of pops their head in. They're like, mm. I want to see this guy. Cut. I do. I want to see this guy die. Yeah. I want to see this guy die in the ass, and then you don't. They're like, hey, so you win them, and then when you uh, walk off stage and everyone's going, great set, man, you just go, yeah. Mm. <laughs> it was yes, all right. Just a, just a, something <laughs> out of the notebook, you know. It was like ah, just yeah, I forgot my best bit, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lay it on thick, bro. Yeah. And then like, these guys, these people are like, dude, he wasn't even happy. <laughs> He's like, and then by the time you come back again in a, in a year's time, you've got another five. So it doesn't matter anyway. So, yeah. I mean, that's the, the beauty of, of keeping on the road and traveling. Well, that's the crazy thing about comedy, though, is because, like, you can um, write a decent five, right? And then you can, so, like, you, you open, mic, you're getting laws, yeah, you're getting laws there, but you put in the work in and aggregating the laughs per minute and doing all these funny, kooky, nerdy things that people don't realize. And so then you get a good tight five and you're like, all right, cool, cool, cool. And then you write a bunch of new material and you're like, all right, I've got a second five. Let me just smash them together. I've got 10. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. <laughs> That's not how that works. Panic, bail, the bail from the stage at seven minutes 30. Like it took me maybe 10 gigs, like oh, 10 gigs of being allocated 10 minute spots to just be able to stay on stage for 10 minutes. Yeah. And not panic and flee into the night. The great uh, Brad Oaks, who I know you're a fan of, um, <laughs> gave me some advice a long time ago that I uh, I took on board. It's really something I'd like to revisit, but he said, don't write another five minutes. Write another five seconds on everything. You know, like instead of swell that five to a seven just by tagging every line. Okay. And then um, once you got that, like, so, yeah, because you said you can't write five minutes and then write another five minutes and just bolt them together. And you're like, man, this person's talking about a lot of weird subjects. Like, and not far enough. No continuity, yeah. Yeah. But and I'm then you start adding some context with, like, the way you make the audience feel and stuff. Like, you could, like a 10-minute a ten minute should just be your five-minute extended, but then with, like, a almost like a little tiny arc where you're making them feel different stuff. Mm. And they're like, oh, wow, it's tense for a moment. Oh, I've released it. It's not just like punch, punch, punch like a five. In the words of those philosopher poets, Blink-182, let's try this one more time with feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but I always get annoyed when people say that because they're like, oh, you need to tag up everything. And I have probably never written a decent tag. Like I will write a joke and then that joke will just be the joke. Mm. And then everything you try to tag, like try to add on to it, it's just, it's just garbage. It just never like equals the... Um, but maybe that just comes with experience because you need to use all different things. You need to chuck an analogy on but there. But do you want your tag to be like as big as the punchline? Well, that's isn't that kind of like, does it, it can't go down, truly. No, it can because sometimes, like let's look at it as a laugh per minute, right? right? Let, let's say you've got, for mathematics sake, let's say you've got 20 laughs in your five-minute set, right? But you tag everything so that brings it to 40 laughs. Right, they're not all huge, but they're just they're just more laughs. But then you go for seven minutes, so then you divide that by your minutes, so your laugh per minutes are higher, but you still got the same amount of big ones. You've just added more small ones, so it keeps the whole thing rolling, right? Mm. And then it becomes tight, and then you can trick people into like a, a, a daze where you're like you're kind of crushing. You ever seen like an act just? Yeah, I've done it once or twice. And then you, the audience they just start hanging off everything, and that, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. the connective tissue. Your tags can sometimes. And then you can be get them with a look or a gesture 100%. or like a bit of silence. You know, yeah. your silence is a tag. Exactly, and that's what I think the beauty of the tag is. I feel like a lot of acts will be like the joke's great and I can't top it. It's like, well, don't top it, just. Add some more. Yeah, know? that's that's always put some MSG in there. You know, that's always my thing. I'm like, oh, 
I, I'll, try, I'll try a tag afterwards and just get nothing. And I'm just like, ah, oh, these tags. I'm maybe I'm like I'm like oh maybe I'm not a tag guy maybe I'm just a joke guy who writes jokes and that's that yeah yeah I you think find it, all kinds of excuses to justify your inability there's to no write excuses in this shit I mean the, the quicker you learn that the uh, the quicker yeah you, you get, get exposed better, right? you get exposed I, I do that a lot one thing I'm before I'm going on tour which is something I've spoken about on the podcast I'm going to rewrite a lot of I'm going to find out my run on my run-on team of jokes and I'm going to rewrite my entire jokes from scratch just based off the idea and then I'm going to try and go through every word and just see if there's a funnier word for it. Mm. I'm going to try and really upskill yeah, that. Goldman was big on that. Are you, you a big fan of Gary Goldman? Huge fan. The Great Depression. And How he's just like, but... Like, In this economy, it's the funniest thing. But it's like, um, you know, like going back to Jacques Barrett, like he was talking about... Um, dropping some essentially Karen ladies in the middle of the Ukraine-Russia skirmish. And I'm just like, that's a really funny term, mm. like skirmish. Sure. It's clearly not, <laughs> right? And it's like, that's really funny. And I'd like to go through and just kind of find those words because like 20% of the audience go, huh, skirmish. And the rest of them don't. Mm. But that's 20% of more people that are enjoying it for a part that's not really a punchline. It's more of a leading up to something. Yeah, yeah. Just charm. And then, but if that 20% is always changing around the room, then eventually you're going to hit 100% of them and you're going to increase the whole thing, right? Yeah. Summons an errand boy. <laughs> <laughs> that is a funny turn of phrase, eh? Um, before we wrap this up, this has been good. I, last night before, when I said we're going to talk on the podcast, we're going to talk about Genghis Khan. Didn't end up talking about Genghis Khan, but I we went down the more business road, which is actually the whole stick of the podcast, which is great. But you said to get to your goal at the six-year mark, you're going to have to do a few things. Writing. Travelling. Travelling. Get your head around social media. You, what's yours? I would assume that you are, like, out of ten, how good are you at social media? Two, mm, three? Two. Yeah, yeah, two and a half. I, um, it's something I arguably do quite well. It's been a cornerstone of my success. But before I started comedy, I was essentially almost computer illiterate. I, have, I was in the military and I was a chef. I didn't, I mean, I could use a computer, but I hadn't used it for anything really outside of YouTube and just having a, having a dick around. And I didn't really have social media. Um, how much time you got? Time. Um, what are you going to do? So I've been able to self-learn and self-actuate. That's not a word either, is it? Actuate, yeah, I think it self-actuate is. Self-actuate social media presence. How are you going to reverse engineer that and get it done? Because it is essential. It is essential. Highly essential. Yeah. Just uh, devote some time to it, I think. Time is the big thing. Like, you need to treat it as work. Like, I have been really weary of um, committing myself to social media uh, without an act or at the expense of an act. Like, we've had a couple of notable, notable uh, instances in the Perth comedy scene where like open markers who barely have five minutes have leapt to a solo show and they have the most unbelievable social game promos, packed out rooms, only to just be absolutely eviscerated by the general public and to just embarrass themselves. And I live in like mortal fear of that. Now you have to just embarrass yourself because at the end of the day, we are just clowns, right? Sure. We're just clowns. We just dance, monkey, make me but laugh. But it's controlled. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. We need to be in control of it. Absolutely. So, Whereas you're saying yeah, they're not in control of that. So it's only really recently, like in the last month. No, they're, they're, they're the butt of the joke. Um, 
Holy dooly, there are some screenshots that do the rounds of those reviews, and they are brutal. Like, holy dooly. So what's your strategy? I mean, I mean, not. I don't want to hear, I'm going to make this, 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 and this. What's your strategy to get to the point where you are fully knowledgeable about how to approach yourself on social media? No idea, mate, to tell you the truth. Uh, watch a lot of social media. You see, I haven't up to this point even engaged with it. So, like, I wouldn't I, – I'd struggle to know exactly – what it is that I'd want to do even because I just have, I'm not really involved in it. I've only just downloaded TikTok at your recommendation. So, you know. Well, this is my, my recommendation for you. Like if you want to be a filmmaker, you've got to watch a lot of films. Um, yeah. So first thing I do is get the apps that I feel like you're interested in. Um, I would go and consume. None of them. <laughs> feel, go grab the apps that you feel you are necessary to get mm-hmm. to achieve your goals. There you go. Um, I would then go and find... 10 creators who are comedians but are also on the way up i don't want to like see people looking at like louis ck's thing for example right because they're like i want like yeah people there's loads who are, of them mate. who are increase who are on the trajectory up so i've been following mark norman for the last five years when he was putting out specials on youtube because no one would buy it mm. and he's now touring globally there's a couple of them mate. there's a, i do i follow a couple of them there's Oh, I can't remember any of their names, so they obviously aren't that good. But still, you can find that, and then I think I guess find what's what what sticks out to you. Mm. Um, figure out what the I mean. This is to the audience mainly as well. Figure out how you can apply what these people have done. Like, don't start from scratch. Just like steal and learn and like. Yeah, but it's like that in joke so- writing, right? Like, don't your material. You can't steal material, but structure is your best friend. Hundred percent, and inspiration is such good thing as well like seeing people be like oh i can do that's achievable for me like i can do that Mm. and then start making and start learning like i feel like with social media there's such a a pressure to like do well immediately it's like dude i Mm. made like 40 50 videos before anyone watched them and then like after that it just started like to build and it's, it works the same way as going to an open mic. You can't go to an open mic and start crushing. you got to bomb because that's where the learnings are. you got to put all of your effort into making something and then it gets like four likes and you're like, damn it, what a waste of time. Why? And then figure that out, reverse engineer it and just like be super patient because if it, regardless of it, if it goes well, it's something that you're going to have to do with your product and with your comedy for the next 40 years. So just like be patient and enjoy it and just work it into your routine and get it done. Cool, just get it fucking done. Get it fucking done. Don't be a bitch. And stop being a perfectionist about it. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm not really trying. Have you seen the clips I'll put out? So, you know, just chugging along slowly, slowly, um, putting out a clip here, a clip there. trying Because there's a lot of people, like, I don't know if you've seen this trend of people um, copy-pasting their tweets. I have. Because yep. it's like a shareable, recognizable format, but mm-hmm. it's just an, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd just be late to the bandwagon. It annoys me. So, like, now I just try to, like, write jokes and just find a random picture on the internet and put them, That's put the joke on the picture just to so have, like, something to... Well, that's just, you're just, um, you know, leveraging off what memes have created in the mind of yeah, of the human. absolutely. Right? So you're making quite a meme. Making um, memes. That's my two cents. You got anything to say before we wrap this up? No. No, nothing at all. Just follow me on Instagram. I... Desperately needed. I cannot overstate the desperation yet, people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good pitch. Yeah, <laughs> I totally. Like, if I was listening to this, I would be like, I'm going to do it because he sounds like he Save a it. little boy from hurting himself. Um, yeah, self-flagellation. 
Anyways. <laughs> and uh, go follow Chris Pacillo. Yeah, and Chris Pacillo. And help him uh, get to where he needs to be in six, in three years' time to achieve his six-year goal. Come That's what we're all about comedy. here on the podcast. Yeah. Go watch some comedy. Go watch some comedy. Have a good time. Do you enjoy art, artists, or comedy in general? Consider supporting this show at www.patreon forward slash Jared Gandry. Or just Google Jared Gandry Patreon, it'll come up, right? For just two bucks, you can get bonus episodes and content. And together, we can work towards helping me get seven weeks from broke. Send us a message on my Instagram at Jared Gandry. See you there.